0: You're listening to The Sound of London. This is Londonist Out Loud. I'm N. Quentin Wolfe, and this week's episode started with a tweet. A tweet from somebody called Sherbert, and I'll come to that in just a second. I've had a tweet from Iolantha Rosa on Twitter, and I have been sent intelligence regarding pedways. Many thanks for that, I'm going to be checking that out And yes, I think you're probably right as well about the Nobel Prize situation there And welcome to this episode Which, as I say, comes from a tweet from Sherbert Who requested something on the history of the cab trade here in London I aim to please, if you've got ideas for shows that you'd like to hear Then drop them across to me at Londonist Sound or via any of the usual routes For this week though, Sherbert, this show is with thanks, dedicated to you Hey baby, let
1: me take you down to a place of strange sounds.
0: In fact, a slightly unusual set of circumstances here. Number one, the driver is in the back of the cab with me. And we are parked up in a sea of black cabs. We are somewhere in Borough, in a a secret yard. It's not that secret, but it's secret as far as I'm concerned. With me in the back of the cab, Jamie Owens, who is the manager of Wedding Taxis. He's been a a cab driver for many a long year. Hi. Hello, (laughs) Quinn. What are we doing here? What Uh, is this place? This is a... This is an old petrol station that's been here
1: for a long, long time and it's got a, a calf in it for taxi drivers. When I first started driving there was loads of places like this. There was um, probably six or seven in central London but due to the value of property in London this is really the only large taxi driver's calf that's left available for taxi drivers to use in London. I can see a time in the future when this is obviously going to go because it's, a, it's on prime land and it's, it's obviously really valuable land. So I should imagine sometime in the future this is going to be redeveloped and this will go, and then that's going to be the last of the large-scale taxi driver's cabs left available.
0: And u- utility aside, this is not looking like a prime piece of architecture here. It is essentially a porter cabin with a bit of garden furniture outside of it, and the forecourt here is not one of those plush ones with the Marks and Spencers attached. This is diesel by the bucket load.
1: Yeah, it used to be the busiest diesel petrol station, um in London, other than Clackets Lane on the M25, because obviously they're servicing lorries, but it went broke many years ago, and they've only recently put the diesel pumps back in, another company decided to come in and service just the black cab trade, so they've only, they're only serving diesel, there's no petrol here at all but they've, they've been going about two months now and obviously that's attracting more drivers in but it's, it's taken away some of the parking from the, the taxi cab, so some drivers are happy about it, some drivers are not too happy about it at the moment
0: what does a cab use in terms of diesel each week?
1: Depends on how many hours. I mean, everyone's circumstances are different. You know, drivers tend to work to what they need to earn. So I would, I would say the minimum that a taxi would use in a week is around about 80 to 100 pounds worth of diesel. If you're working long, you know, maybe seven days a week, you're going to be using a minimum of 140 pounds worth of diesel a week. If you're working long shifts, then you could go up to £200 of a diesel a week. So it's it's quite a big expense, quite a big chunk out of a taxi driver's money every week. When you couple that with um, the cost of either buying or renting a cab and the maintenance as well, You've really got to earn between four and £500 a week before you actually earn any money.
0: You're focusing much more on projects that are related to, to ordinary cab driving. Yep. You do wedding taxis, I guess, mostly on the weekends. You're a podcaster to the cab trade. Just as a sidebar, why, oh, why are all the London cabs using diesel rather than something a little healthier?
1: Basically because the government, years ago, were promoting diesel as the cleaner fuel. Also, diesel engines have, have got more low-down torque petrol engines in a heavy vehicle like this don't seem to be that economical so that's why diesel engines were, were preferred. Obviously in 2018 previous mayor brought out a, a, a law that said any new taxi first licensed after the 1st of January 2018 will have to be zero emissions capable so that means they're going to basically be electric taxis with a petrol or diesel generator which will charge the batteries when they're depleted. So it's like, What they call it is a range-extended
0: electric vehicle. So it's all about the change, and that's going to cost everyone a fortune, presumably?
1: Yeah, it's going to cost a lot of money. The, the manufacturer estimated that the cost would be about £10,000 more than the current vehicle. The um, current vehicle is around about forty grand, so you're looking at around about 50000 But there, there are going to be subsidies available from TfL and the government for putting electric vehicles on the road. Which will help quite considerably towards the cost. I think they're, they're, they're quoting figures of around 5,000, $5, off the price of the taxi, by the way, of this grant or subsidy.
0: But even so, does that mean that all the cab drivers are currently saving up? Um, no, not really, because if
1: you've bought a taxi now, there's still a 15 year age limit, so you can still use that taxi for 15 years. So they will be, to a certain extent, exempt from the low emissions, the uh, ultra-low emission zone. So you can still use the taxi. It's just any new taxi, first licensed after the 1st of January 2018, will have to be zero emissions capable. So, for example, this one is uh, 10 years old nearly, so it can still go until 2023. But then after that, if I bought another new one, it would have to be an electric vehicle.
0: We are here in the back of your white cab, your white-black cab, by request. In fact, we've been asked to talk on the show about the... I can't can't believe we haven't done it yet, the the history of the cab trade. And how far back are we going to be going? Well, the the London taxi trade has been licensed in
1: London for over 350 years. It was originally licensed by a decree of one Oliver Cromwell in 1654 because of um, complaints from the public about the conduct of of taxi drivers. So he actually licensed... Initially, it was was 200 drivers that were licensed in London. After Oliver Cromwell's reign, the the licensing fell into disrepute and, and was reinstated a few years later. And, obviously, it's grown on from then. And the strange thing about it is that the London buses, or the London Omnibuses,
0: as they were called back then, actually came out of the London taxi trade. Because buses back in the day were a horse-drawn buggy, weren't they, that just got bigger and bigger? Yeah, basically.
1: I mean, the, the, the original buses were what they called uh, growlers. They're a four, four-wheeled, two-horse-drawn carriage. And obviously they just grew bigger and bigger and bigger and uh, became double-decker, sort of omnibus type things. And But the original ones were driven by, by taxi drivers.
0: I sort of want to do this in tandem in a way because it could be instructive to know, of course, where we've come from but also to have in our minds where we're going to. So we'll flip back to the days of Cromwell. But what's the number of cabs on the road today?
1: The number of cabs on the road, uh, 20, around about 25,000 drivers. Obviously, that number goes up and down with drivers that die, retire, and in new drivers that come into the trade. And around about 21,000, 21, licensed taxis. Ever since I've been driving a cab, that's the highest proportion of actually taxis to drivers that I've ever known. It was a lot lower before because you used to have drivers that would share a cab, you know, two drivers on a cab, one would do nights, one would do days. And also, the percentage when I first started driving of, of drivers that rented to owned, there was more drivers that actually rented a taxi than, than owned a taxi, whereas now the balance has tipped slightly. It did tip slightly the other way, but it's around about 50 50 now. It's about 50% of drivers own their taxis, 50% of drivers rent a taxi.
0: And is the overall trend that we're getting more and more people getting involved? I can imagine nameless app-based drivers might be taking drivers out of the black cab market.
1: I think it's deterring people from undertaking the knowledge because the knowledge of London is the the form of qualification you have to do to become a London taxi driver. Mm at the moment it's taking people around about four years to complete the knowledge of london so it's a big undertaking for someone to 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 think about before they actually become a london taxi driver so with the the app-based circuits taking work away from the taxi trade and don't get they're not taking massive amounts away but it, it has it has been noticeable the amount of work that's that's, that's gone from the taxi trade it's obviously deterring it people from, from undertaking the knowledge so the number of drivers that, for, for a while the number of drivers that were signing up to do the knowledge dropped slightly, Transport for London they have said that that number has increased again so maybe the tide's turning very slightly but we've we've been here 350 years we've, uh, you know, we see off the the first invasion of minicabs as they were, the, the uh, gutler and everything else so hopefully we'll be here in another 350 years
0: let's zoom back I was particularly uh, taken with a phrase you used there which was that the 200 licensed cab drivers fell into disrepute what happened there?
1: I think it was to do with um, Oliver Cromwell really um, I'm not too sure and the history is a little bit sketchy as to why the licensing sort of fell apart but when the licensing stopped obviously the cab drivers still carried on working but they was just not licensed as such
0: at that point what did the license assure? <laughs>
1: Basically, that brought the, the driver's accountability because before there was no licence plate on a vehicle. So, with we, having a, a licence plate attached to the vehicle, if there was a complaint to be made about the driver, then obviously the passenger could take the licence plate down and complain to, to the licensing authority.
0: Uh, so, th- this was the equivalent of having your photo ID in the front of the cab?
1: Well, we don't have a photo ID. Oh. We have a badge. Which is enamel. But well, what am I thinking?
0: I'm, I'm certain I've seen... I was, I was in a black cab recently. I'm certain I saw a, a photograph of the fellow on a card in the front. It may have been computer cab issued
1: drivers with photo cards. But uh, a taxi driver, as per se, doesn't have a photo card. Private hire drivers have a photo card. But we have a round, um, what used to be enamel-plated uh, badge. They were quite large at one time, and they've got smaller and smaller. And they're coloured... Golden like brass colored and green with the driver 's number on it, which isn 't the same as the number that 's on the back of the taxi because that 's the taxi's um, license plate number, which are two separate
0: separate things. this feels very much like the lone ranger and his horse, you know operating separately, both heroic
1: something like that, yeah, especially with <laughs> a white stallion yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, the taxi has to go through a licensing process of its own, it has to be licensed by Originally, years ago, it was the Metropolitan Police Public Carriage Office and you'd have to take the taxi up to be what they called overhauled and they would inspect it to make sure that the taxi was fit to go on the road for the year. There was really, really strict. Um, for instance, if they run their finger with their white glove across uh, a part of the interior and there was dust on it, they would fail it. And that's how bad they was. If they couldn't see their reflection in the paintwork on the side, they would fail it. You know they put it down as paintwork lacks luster, and you 'd have to go down to the local garage and get a liter of luster to to spread over your paintwork. but um, oh. the driver obviously goes through the knowledge of London, and that is means when I did it, it meant learning four hundred and sixty eight routes across London. The idea being that when you first start your your knowledge of London is not that great. The routes crisscross each other all across London the eventual aim being that you can build up a complete picture of London in your mind so that when anybody gets in the cab and asks to be taken to a place you can immediately picture where they want to be taken to and in your mind you can see exactly what route to take and basically using your brain as a sat-nav of London because of course when I did the knowledge there wasn't such thing as a Mm. sat-nav When did you do your knowledge? I got my badge in May 1991 twenty just over twenty five years ago, and as I say there's four hundred and sixty eight runs now they 've with the changes in london they 've reduced that down to three hundred and twenty five runs it hasn 't made it easier because some of the runs what they 've done is they 've joined two together to make them a longer run and, and things like that, but the aim is still the same is to build up a complete picture of London in your mind so that you can take people wherever they want to go. You've basically got to learn, any place that someone might get in a taxi and ask to be taken to, you need to know it. Whether it's a hospital, government building, theatre, public house, any place of interest, even statues, monuments, things like
0: that, you need to know a lot. Well, what immediately strikes me then is that being a cabbie in Cromwellian or around the time of the Civil War or Charles II. It must have been a lot easier, because there were only about three people living in London, and it would consist of four streets and a roundabout.
1: Probably, but there was no knowledge then. It was basically just a licensing process. Um, the knowledge was brought in after the Festival of Britain because of complaints from the public that the taxi drivers didn't know where they were going. So the Metropolitan Police instigated the, the knowledge of London, which became a test for taxi drivers to learn their way around London. And obviously you had the Festival of Britain up at... Um, but was the Crystal Palace at Hyde Park which was then eventually moved down to the area we now know as Crystal Palace and then burnt down in a fire later on but the taxi drivers ranking at the, at the Festival of Britain were not necessarily drivers because of the, the great influx of people there was obviously an, an enormous amount of work there so the taxi drivers that were actually ranking there were not necessarily drivers that would normally work that area so you go back years and years and years with horse-drawn carriages and things like that the horse couldn't travel that far so drivers tended to work areas local t- all, all the time the same area all the time and of course the festival print and gave them this opportunity to earn more money so they traveled up to uh, to kensington and ranked up there and of course those drivers wouldn't have known the local area so that's where the complaints originated from
0: that made me wonder about the reasons that people would have for taking a cab then and i've realized I don't necessarily know. Maybe it's dangerous to assume why people take cabs. Why, why then would people have been taking cabs, especially given the smaller size of the city? I mean,
1: my original understanding of as to why taxi drivers came into existence in the first place, um, there was a really good book written by a guy called Philip Warren, which was the history of the London taxi trade, and he explained it that taxis originated out of families that had coaches and... They couldn 't necessarily afford to pay their driver full time, so it allowed them the use of the coach to convey other passengers around mm. um, and that 's where the taxi drivers came from. There was obviously a lot of resistance from the lighterman at the time because they were the taxi drivers of London because when you when you go back that far, London was basically the city of London, the city of Westminster, and the city without which was Southwark. So a lot of people needed to travel backwards and forwards across the river. So the Lightman were obviously the the taxi drivers of the day. So there was a lot of resistance when people started using carriages as taxis. And it gave these families the the opportunity to to have a driver, but not pay them a great deal of money Mm -hmm. at the time. So that's where they originally started. And I would imagine because you had the City of London, and it's a long walk to the City of Westminster, that's why taxis became uh, useful for people.
0: Oh, yes, you know, I'd never thought of that until we had the uh, sort of Soho area spring into existence, so you'd have needed constantly to get back from uh, what was going on in the city. Was that still, There was a lot of commerce and trade in the city over to the area where governance was taking place.
1: Yeah, I mean, you had a lot of trade going on in the city, and you, you go back that far and before the, the, the original stock exchange, which was the Guardian Royal Exchange, which burnt, for, burnt down three. Everything Everything in London seems to burn down for some reason. But that burnt down two or three times and was rebuilt. Um, but the city traders would do their business on the streets of the City of London. I don't Just, think you should put it like that. <laughs> <laughs> well, they, they would uh, trade on the City of London uh, or use coffee shops. Coffee shops were a really popular place for city traders to meet and and do their business. Um, I mean... <laughs> <laughs> Probably the wrong way to put it, but Edward, Edward Lloyd, who was uh, the originator of Lloyd's of London, um, started his business in a coffee shop in in the city of London, which original, which you know, he was insuring um, ships crossing crossing uh, whether it's the English Channel or the Atlantic or whatever, de- delivering their goods, and it came from a, a sea captain who, who wanted his goods insured, and Edward Lloyd said, "I'll I'll insure your safe passage," so there came the, the insuring of shipping, which grew into Lloyd's, Lloyd's Register now, so the largest uh, insurers in the world.
0: I was wondering whether you would see Lighterman as being part of your lineage, and it sounds as though they're separate in your mind.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think the Lighterman wanted to dis- disassociate themselves from the, the carriage drivers, um, so they, they they really did, because obviously a lot of business was being taken away from it. It's, I suppose if you bring it forward, years, it's like taxi drivers and private hire drivers. You know, you, you could consider that we're doing very similar jobs, but we want nothing to do with them. And I think the Delight of them felt the same way back then. that, that You know, these carriage drivers were doing this, roughly
0: the same job, but they really didn't want anything to do with them. Should we open that can of worms just yet, or should we leave it for later? No, leave that one. <laughs> <laughs> now, oh, terminology taxi cab what should i be using um
1: either really because both i mean the original uh, a, a taxi driver's license actually says london motor cab driver um so the, the word cab came out the, the the carriage at the time called a cabriolet which was a, a two-wheeled horse-drawn carriage the word taxi comes from the meter which was a french term taxi meter so you
0: combine the two together, and then you end up with the full word of taxi cab. So is a minicab a taxi or a cab? Neither. A minicab, specifically a minicab. A
1: minicab, yeah. It's basically uh, they've used the term minicab for years, but the the word taxi is protected in London anyway. That a minicab operator cannot use the word taxi at all. So they were given dispensation to uh, to use the word cab but only preceded by the word minicab why they wanted to call themselves minicabs i suppose it's because they wanted to sort of show that they were doing offering a similar service to what
0: taxi drivers do but at a slightly lower rate i wondered about the evolving or maybe not evolving character of the cab driver over the years and as you've been thinking about the history of the cab trade because you're a member of the uh, Worshipful Company as well of um, of cab drivers of taxi drivers
1: it's the Worshipful Company of Hackney Carriage Drivers uh, the 104th Livery Company of the City of London Um, I've been a member since 2000 so 16 years the aims of the Worshipful Company are to uh, basically three aims one needs to uh, educate number two charity and number three to promote so They they do the education through a a guiding course that they offer with taxi drivers, basically so you can do tours around London. It gives you a better insight into the history of London. The charity side of the, the company is the Disney trip that we do to Disneyland in Paris for seriously ill children. Promoting the trade, it's promoted throughout the city with other livery companies, businesses, institutions within the city of London.
0: So you met a few cab drivers quite a few yeah quite a few over my years yeah so with your awareness of the history of the trade what can we say about the character of the the cab driver sort of then and now has the character changed at all what are the traits of a cab driver
1: i think cab drivers are mad Um, (laughs) i think you've got to really be a strange individual to drive a cab in london there's there's no easy way of putting it it's a fantastic job it really is and the vast majority of people that drive taxis in London love it. They they really enjoy it. And this fallacy that people come, you know, they come into this this um, this idea that taxi drivers take people the long way round to earn a few extra pence is absolute rubbish. Most taxi drivers are really passionate about what they do. the The most profitable way of driving a taxi is to get people in and out as quick as possible, and then get on to the next fare. Taking someone round the long way to earn an extra 20p really doesn't do you any favours if you're trying to make as much money as you can. So this idea of taking people, drivers taking people the long way round is absolute rubbish. With, with regards to character of drivers, I think, same as any industry, in years gone by, there were more characters around than there are now. And I think technology's got a lot to do with that, where people don't tend to interact as much on a personal level, it's all Twitter Facebook and and things like that I mean if you, if you go back to when I first started driving in the early 90s there was a lot of characters and you could call them the real characters left from the sort of 60s and 50s, 60s, 70s who sort of really stood out and were eccentrics to a certain extent and you don't really seem to see that a lot in drivers these oh, days We need an example or two I think Ah, oh, there was a guy called Monty Sheeman. Uh, he was a, obviously a Jewish cab driver. And he kept... Uh, <laughs> he had this mad idea that to solve the traffic problems in London, uh, it was quite easy. All you had to do was divert the Thames at Gravesend and uh, concrete it over and make it a six-lane highway straight through the centre of London. And and these guys used to write in taxi trade papers because obviously there was no internet back then. So they, they, they really were eccentric um, taxi driver one that comes to mind at the moment is still driving a cab really really nice guy a guy called Stanley Roth very very well spoken man um, he's actually been driving a taxi in London for 60 years and he's also a blue badge guide, so he's a qualified fully fledged tour guide as well um, keeps an absolutely immaculate cab goes to work in a shirt tie jacket absolutely immaculately dressed every single day of the week no, you know, I mean, I, I when I'm doing weddings or if I'm picking something up from the airport, I'm wearing a shirt and tie and a pair of trousers. If I'm out working of a night, I'm wearing a pair of jeans and t shirt. Stanley will go out dressed the same way every day, no matter what he's doing. Even if he's just working the streets, he's still wearing a shirt, tie, everything. You know, and a real character. there's another guy called Gerald Nathanson that, uh, that does the same thing. You, you do get a few characters about, but not as many as, you, as years ago.
0: But one of the features of being a cab driver is definitely that you've got a world of your own going on here. You're the king of your domain. So you can afford to be a little bit out there, right? Yeah.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, as I said when, when you first asked the question, I think you've got to be a strange sort of person to drive a taxi in London because you spent 90% of your time on your own. You have to work anti-social hours. It's no good treating it as a nine-to-five job because you'll just go broke within within a couple of years. And you're you're talking to strange people continuously. And you know, as they say, most taxi drivers love to chat. They they've got an opinion on every single subject in the world. One one person quoted as, "It's a pity that, that all the people that know how to run the country are actually driving taxis." So. Yeah, taxi drivers have got an opinion on everything. There's an old, another old saying that says if you put 12 taxi drivers in a room, you'll get 13 opinions.
0: So, What about the, if, if we cast back as far as we can go, can you detect that always having been the case, that, that cab drivers had to have that particular outlook, or has their character changed?
1: I think years ago taxi drivers had to be quite hardy people because you're sitting on the front of a carriage that was completely open in all weathers Um, and that's, you mentioned earlier before we started the the cab driver's shelters that's where the the cab driver's shelters came from the first one being in St John's Wood I can't remember the name of the person that actually started it it was uh, an army colonel or someone who felt sorry for the taxi drivers because they were sitting out on the rank in all weathers and there was a problem at the time of taxi drivers taking shelter in public houses and obviously having a drink to get out of the weather and warm up a little bit even when motorised cabs come about, they only had three doors and no windows in the front, so the driver was completely open to the elements. So you had to be quite a hard sort of person to drive a cab around London. And also, no power steering, obviously, no automatic gearboxes like you've got the luxury of today. I mean.
0: So that's hard, hard physical work.
1: Yeah, I mean, really hard because to, to, to I mean, I've owned a 1937 taxi, and, and driving it is no mean feat, let me tell you. It is extremely hard work. You can go out and drive it for three hours and it feels like you've done 18 hours in a modern taxi. But you've got to remember that the the main age demographic of taxi drivers tends to be the gentleman in his... mid mid, Middle-aged gentleman from about the age of 40 to
0: 60 is the main demographic. Is is that because it took the first 20 years to pass the knowledge?
1: Uh, Probably, yeah. Or that people have done something else when they left school and then decided, you know, if they've become made redundant or their occupation. Look what happened in the print. Um, A lot of printers ended up becoming taxi drivers. A lot of firemen, you find, become taxi drivers because they can retire at quite an early age. They become taxi drivers. So I think that's the main reason that the demographic is is slightly older. It is changing now. There's a lot more, you could call it a lot more cosmopolitan where you've got a lot more cultures within the taxi trade, whereas Ken Livingston described it at one time as a mu- white male mafia, which was
0: totally wrong. But it did have a reputation of being a racist trade, didn't
1: it? It did. But the funny thing is, the trade's not really racist. You know, you pick up people from all walks of life. The only thing I will say with that is you do, obviously throughout your life as driving a, driving a taxi, you do encounter problems. And if one particular culture or whatever causes you more problems, you do tend to be more wary of picking people up from that culture or, or, or that sort of a ethnicity or however you pronounce it. But, you know, you've got drivers in the trade now from every single country in the world. The number of women drivers, female drivers in the trade is on the increase quite dramatically is um, it for a woman who's got children? Or, you know, that this, this sounds really sexist, but traditionally women stay at home, look after the children, men go to work. I know that's changing quite a lot now, but it, you know, for a woman's at home or a, or a man's at home looking after the children, it's an ideal job because you can take the children to school, go to work for a few, for a few hours, go and pick the children up, take them home. And then if the other partner's at home, you can go back out to work for a couple of hours. So a oh,
0: job, job share thing as well you could well, presumably
1: do. Yeah, basically. It, it just gives The main attraction to a lot, for a lot of people to this job is the flexibility that it gives you. It gives you an awful lot of flexibility. You can go to work when you want to go to work, for how long you want to go to work. The only limiting factor being, you know, don't drive when you're tired, which we're all quite well aware of. And if we get tired, we
0: stop driving. We were hitting some um, a bit of a myth-busting note there mm. to do with how fares are charged. You know, I'm going to ask you about going south of the river, but I-, I wondered about other myths that exist around the cab trade.
1: Um, south of the river, right? Let's tackle that first. <laughs> right. If I didn't go south of the river, I'd never get home. So, I've actually been one of the strange taxi drivers that's always preferred going south of the river to going north. I think the reason that that came about was during the sort of 80s, 70s, early 80s, there was so much work around in central London. You know, it was more economic to continue working short fares all the time around the west end in the city than take a longer job up to Hampstead or or going south of the river. When I became a taxi driver, a lot of the older drivers would say, "Uh, what do you want to go south for? You don't get a job back. Well they remember the years when you'd go up to Hampstead and you'd immediately get a job coming back down into the West End. When I started driving, that didn't happen. All you'd do is, as you're going up to Hampstead, is hit a load of traffic through Camden and and everywhere else. Whereas if you went south of the river, you never hit any traffic. So I was a strange one. I preferred going south because I could get back quicker, back into the work quicker. I mean, that's working nights. Working days is slightly different. But, yeah, we love going south of the river. Never Never refused people going south of the river.
0: So pockets of gentrification have got to be good news all around. I'm thinking, for example, Brixton comes to mind straight away, where that's climbed up a little bit recently.
1: Well, Brixton, Clapham, Bermondsey, you know, they're all being sort of gentrified to a well quite quite an extent. So yeah, I mean, it is good news for the cab trade that you're taking people all over the place.
0: But the implication being that taking a cab is a sort of a, a luxury choice.
1: I think you go back years, yeah, it would have been, but. I don't think that's really the case these days I mean, the advent of certain apps have brought price into question but if you went, if you went back six, seven years our mixture of passengers was was right across the board from everyone, from the, the richest in London right the way down to the ordinary working person in London and I would say that the ordinary working person in London is probably a bigger cab user than anybody else
0: what other myths do we need to put to bed?
1: We don't carry a bale of hay in the boot anymore.
0: <laughs> Is that really a myth?
1: There's no, there's no horse anymore. We don't have a horse under the bonnet. It was uh, still law until a few years ago that we were supposed to carry a bale of hay in, hay in the boot. For real? Yep. And uh, and a bucket. A bucket. Uh, the bucket was to feed the horse. <laughs> and the, uh, the bale of hay was obviously to feed the horse.
0: Was, the, was and, there any law about actually
1: having a horse? Uh, no, no. Because we didn't need it once we had an engine, but there's also a, a, an old law that says that um, you can stop a policeman who should provide you with shelter with his cape, um, so that you can pee up the rear near side back wheel of the cab. Being that originally that's where the bucket would have been kept on a horse drawn carriage, so you could pee in the bucket. But Not, you well, needed a good a idea to be
0: sh- to Keep the bucket then. yes. Yeah.
1: You needed to be sheltered by a policeman's cape. Problem being trying to find a policeman that's actually carrying his cape these days. Well,
0: presumably you need to carry a cape as well as a bucket.
1: Yeah, yeah. Have
0: you <laughs> have you tried exercising your right? Uh, no, no, I don't think I would. No,
1: <laughs> not one. I think you know, just going and find a petrol station with a garage is a lot easier than finding a policeman with a
0: cape. Should we build our history? Because you hear a lot about the role of the emergency services during the wars. I can't remember ever having heard anything about the cab trade during the wars. I wonder what, I mean, it lights out for a start on the top of the cab.
1: Well, a lot of cabs, a lot of taxis were seconded um, into the auxiliary fire service during the Second World War um, and fitted with pump trailers and ladders on their roof. So and they would also carry the driver would drive to the to the fire unless uh, it was
0: south of the river.
1: Yeah, unless it was south of river, obviously, um, and basically acted as an auxiliary fireman. So the London taxis played a big part in the Second World War with helping to put out fires from the bombing of London. And there was quite a number of London taxi drivers actually killed during the Second World War.
0: You're right, because you'd have been topsides when the bombing's happening.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, you know, they did, they did play a big part, and obviously a lot of brave men that couldn't go off and fight for their country were, uh, were doing their part by offering their cab and their services as, as, uh, for the fire brigade, the fire service.
0: The 20th century is all about motorisation, presumably. Maybe this is where we call in your specialist knowledge because you have a fleet of taxis, some pretty old ones. What can we say about the way the cab trade has evolved in terms of the vehicles I mean, it uses? I think that if I remember the way the history went correctly, the,
1: the first uh, motorised taxis were an electric taxi called a Hummingbird, so named because of the, the noise they used to make as they went along the road. didn't last many years, and then the unic taxi came around in about 1912. It's spelt U N I C. That was a petrol-driven taxi, and then you've you've got the likes of um, the Austin Low Loader and Austin High Lot. After that came the FX3, then um, obviously the FX4, which I think is the, the model that most people. If you if you talk about a London taxi, the FX4 Stroke Fairway is the model that would spring to people's minds if you if you said, can you know just close your eyes and imagine a London taxi. I think that's the shape that most people would remember as being a London taxi. Can can you sketch it for us? When
0: when are we talking, by the way?
1: Um, It was developed. uh, first one went on the road in 1959 um, as an FX4. It then changed to an FX4R, FX4S+, uh, eventually becoming a fairway when it was made wheelchair-accessible.
0: As I look under the cabs' windows here, we're seeing cabs everywhere, but you're saying that not this design. Not what should we be thinking instead? Basically, the one previous to this,
1: it was on the road until 1997, had a Nissan engine in the end fitted, and there's only one, I believe, left licensed on the road in London now. That's probably why you can't see one in here.
0: Am I right in thinking it had the sort of the raised the smooth raised sides up each side of the bonnet? Sort of, yeah. It didn't have separate mudguards as the previous model
1: had. It was more of a quite a bulbous look. Yeah, it sort of looked like
0: Long- it belonged in the 60s. Yeah, basically. Yeah, I think yeah, I know. That one. 50s 60s gangster type. Mm, yes, right. Ant Hill Mob territory. Yeah, that's it, yeah. Got you. Yeah
1: really popular with drivers especially the last model which had the Nissan engine because the engine was solid as a rock you know it was indestructible virtually and then for some reason they changed the shape became the TX1 which is the the earlier version of the taxis you're seeing on the road now
0: and how do they compare to previous models the
1: TX1 had a Nissan engine a lot of people didn't like the shape to start with they called it a Teletubby because it looked a bit uh, Teletubby or like a because the rear lights became came off of uh, a Nissan Micra, they uh, said it looked like a Nissan Micra on steroids, you know. But I think it's, it's grown on people now. It's accepted as being the norm, you know, the the, the London taxi iconic shape. Um, it's gone through three different incarnations of it: the TX1, TX2, and now the TX4. The shape is going to change when the electric vehicle comes out. Yeah, it's going to be slightly different. It looks slightly squashed compared to these. Um, Still keeping the similar sort of lines See when they developed the TX1 They wanted to keep the the familiar look of a taxi So that's why the headlights are in the same place Got the same sort of grille as the, the previous Fairway and FX4 And fact, basically follows the very similar lines to the Fairway But it's slightly bigger Not, not a lot, only by a couple of inches And the, the roof height is slightly bigger And the doors open slightly higher To accommodate wheelchairs more easily because obviously in the fairway, wheelchair users have to duck their head to get in, whereas in one of these, they don't.
0: Now, this is going to be a difficult question, I suspect, for you to answer, given your established position within the cab trade. But it seems to me like uh, you've got a pincer movement going on. On the one hand, the various uh, private and app-based cab companies. On the other, Elon Musk and his self-driving vehicles... And also, it struck me when you were talking about doing the knowledge that the knowledge is not a thing of this time, really. When everybody expects everything downloadable and instant, and the amount of investment that it would take somebody to get to that bar is kind of anachronistic in a way. How long has the cab driver got?
1: It's a really difficult question, really good question. Um, with regards to the knowledge, people say it can be replaced by a satellite navigation system. I've got a bias. I've probably got a bias view on that. And my view is that I don't think it can. Number one, a satellite navigation system can take you to a postcode. But when you've got the drunk girl on a Friday night that says, take me to Notting Hill, you know, by the church on the corner, I want to go to the restaurant called so-and-so, but I don't know its proper name, I don't know how to spell it, how's the sat nav going to get them there? Whereas the taxi driver will. Also take somewhere like Oxford Street for example, any one time in Oxford Street there can be up to 500 taxis picking up and dropping off people at the same time when a person gets in a taxi, as you know you you jump in, you tell the driver where you want to go even if he can't think of it instantly he knows roughly what direction he's got to be heading in, so off he sets straight away basically you jump in your bum hits the seat and you're on your way replace that with 500 private hire cars who don't know their way around London the person gets in they sit down the drive where they want to go he has to sit there for 2 or 3 minutes tapping into his sat nav is, is that
0: Battersea with an E or Battersea with a K? exactly yes.
1: so now pick 5 major locations around London and have the same scenario what happens to London? You you end up with total gridlock
0: total gridlock all over London
1: Obviously, technology is going to become better and
0: better. Yeah, but now, hold on. You've inserted humans up that situation. But if you had an interface that could do the job or, you know, it it doesn't seem to me like it's going to take that much refinement to get it to where we would need to be there. I think
1: we're still a number of years off, and I think there's still going to be a place for taxi drivers. To a certain extent, it's okay taking out the, the person... People still want that personal touch, and there is still something to be said you know we're going back to what we said earlier about um about characters and people not interacting anymore because of technology, social media, and things like that you know when when does it come a point when we ended up being directed by machines throughout our total life and would you like to see a life like that, really?
0: No, but you're talking to somebody who... I, if, if I was given half a chance, I'd make every shop the kind of shop where there were several attendants behind the counter and they went and fetched you things and you can have a chat with them about which size you needed. I'm not sure about self-service at all.
1: Wouldn't it, wouldn't it be nice if we'd go back to the days where you had petrol stations where you pulled in and, and the bloke ran out and filled your car up for you as well? Yeah, I like the sound of that.
0: <laughs> yes, could we go back in time, please? But that's the problem, isn't it? That, that we are looking backwards, potentially, and the, the world's moving the other way.
1: Yeah, I think the problem with a taxi trade is it's very reluctant to change and it needs to change drivers need to embrace technology there is a app being developed by or it's just about to be launched by a group of taxi drivers which is run by taxi drivers for taxi drivers for the benefit of those drivers Um, the costs are not going to be as much as some of the other apps to the driver so hopefully if drivers embrace that that will become the app for Londoners to use if they want to use a London taxi.
0: Yeah, OK, so this, this has been something that's... I'm sure it's been on people's radar to some degree, that alongside... Well, we've got to say Uber, otherwise we can't have the conversation. Yep. Alongside that, there have been, it seems, attempts to model something that's a bit like that for the cab trade, but it seems like there's been several competing versions and none of them have quite made the impact somehow. Do you know why that would be?
1: Well, originally we had Halo... Uh, if, if we go back to the start as, as Uber was being developed we had an app called the London Taxi app which wasn't fully developed it was developed by a cab driver and, and, uh, and an app guy they didn't have a lot of money it was a fantastic app really good app wasn't quite finished didn't have a payment gateway on it they basically ran out of money before they could do the payment gateway after that along came Get who basically got to the, got to the start point before Halo did originally called Get Taxi Not quite sure about them. They seem to be more interested in running their own business than the taxi trade itself, which is obviously what people are in business to do, is to to make money. But I think sometimes with with something like that, it's got to be a two-way partnership. It can't be all one way. And I think get to a certain extent want to dictate slightly to the driver rather than listen to the driver. Halo came along and was a long time launching... Um, took the trade by storm, took London by storm did really, really well and then decided to have their Ratna moment where they decided to take on private hire vehicles as well as taxis it was a big, big mistake for them The whole business fell apart They tried it for a year or so and then made an announcement that they would be going back to Black Cab only They picked up a little bit of business but I think the damage that was done at that point, where customers weren't getting serviced by the app, as well, a lot of drivers left. Um, I think that damage—they've never been able to recover from that. Also, there's a lot of call from drivers that, that the cab trade needs to own its own app. It needs to be in control of its own app so that we can give the customers the best service we want. And people out there think that drivers are only in it for what they can earn. I mean, everybody goes to work to earn as much money as they possibly can. But the vast majority of taxi drivers in London, as I said earlier, are really passionate about what they do. They want to give the customer a good service. They want to be there when the customer wants them. The only thing we cannot control to a certain extent is our price because we're governed by the amount of vehicle the the vehicle that we're told to drive the amount of money that costs us the fuel efficiency of that vehicle and don't forget we're driving around a vehicle that's wheelchair accessible and can carry any form of disabled passenger which most private hire vehicles can't do most people in London are quite happy to put their children in a taxi with a taxi driver on their own because they know that taxi drivers are trusted and honest so there's a lot to be said for that sort of thing so hopefully if this app that the drivers are developing it's just basically called taxi app if it takes off and the drivers get behind it it will be the app to use in London it will be the app for passengers to use because there will be more drivers on that app than any other app the, the good thing about it is if it's a, an app for the benefit of the cab trade the app can do things like offer promotions reduce fares and things like that because it doesn't need to make a profit it's not got no shareholders, no investors that it's got to pay back. So any surplus money in the bank account can be used to promote to the passengers, offer discounted prices, you know, uh, promotions, if used for the first time, free ride and things like that. And that's what it's looking towards doing. We did attempt to do it a couple of years ago, but it, it sort of fell by the wayside because we were let
0: down by the person developing the app. It's, it's such a shame because it seems in a way so obvious and, and quite kind of simple in a way I don't know if you ever take the bus anywhere I can remember what five years ago we didn't have those apps certainly not reliable ones that would tell you when the next bus is actually coming it's all very well what the timetable says but this will tell you exactly how far the bus is and it, it reminds me of you know, back in the day when you were expecting a phone call in your home and you had to wait by the phone at the agreed time for the phone to ring and it's kind of like that hailing a black cab at the moment isn't yeah. it as you stand by the side of the street and you hope that a black cab's gonna and all you really need is a map with some moving dots showing you uh, where the cab is and a button to press to alert them to your presence see that that was the good
1: thing about halo when they first started they did really capture the the, that none of them travelled in public because we was picking up jobs from places that we'd never never picked up people from and the problem with a taxi is you know you can go out and find one on the street on many main roads yeah that's fine in the summer when it's nice and warm out you know you don't mind strolling down to the main road to to stand there and hail a cab down but when it's in the winter and it's pouring down a rain, freezing cold, that passenger can't see round the corner to see if there's a taxi coming. Whereas the app gives them that ability, and it gives the driver that ability to see round the corner to see that there's a passenger that wants a taxi there. And it marries the two together. And I think the, the thing about, you know, you mentioned Uber earlier, the thing about apps like Uber is it makes travelling more convenient for people. The app makes it more convenient. Also, you know, let's be blunt about it, people these days have become bloody lazy. Yeah, and they want everything brought to them as quick as they can for as cheap as possible and the youngsters these days live their life on their mobile phone and it's that age group that we've really got to try to capture as a, as a trade and the only way we're going to do that is by
0: using app-based technology We're coming towards the end of our time I know you do a podcast for the cab trade it's called Cab Chat and I wonder what you're chatting about We
1: we basically talk about anything, any issues going on in the London taxi trade Um So, weekly, we we do a weekly show called Cab Chat. We discuss what's going on that week, anything that's coming up.
0: What what sort of thing, what's going on?
1: What's going on at the moment? Um, The Mayor uh, has just brought out an action plan for London, for London taxi drivers. So, we were talking about that this week. The, The demonstrations that were organised by the various driver orgs have nearly all been called off, which is good news for London. So... We were talking about that. Um, we were talking about the Disney trip, obviously, at the weekend. Oh, that just happened, right? Yeah, we take. Um, the, well, it's, it's organised by the Worshipful Company of Hackney Carriage Drivers. It's called the Magical Taxi Tour. If you want to look it up on uh, magicaltaxitour.com or on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash Taxi tour. We take uh, seriously ill children with life limiting illnesses uh, for a short break away from their world of therapy to Disneyland in Paris in 100 taxis supported by the City of London Police, the French Gendarmes, the London Ambulance Service and the AA. Um, It's quite a spectacle to see when we travel down to Dover and across to France.
0: But but this is well south of the river.
1: (laughs) Well south of the river, well south of the Channel. Um, And it's just such a fantastic feeling you get when you see those children walk into the park in Disneyland. It, It gives you a warm feeling inside, knowing that you've given these children... chance to do something that without the support from the ambulance service because we take the medics from the hospitals as well Hmm. without all that support that's a a trip they may not have been able to make because obviously some of them don't go on to lead long lives so we, we give them the ability to to make that make that journey have a bit of fun a bit of a break it also gives both parents a break. To a certain extent, because one parent comes, whether that's the man or, or or you know the husband or the wife or the mother or the father, um, we used to see that it was always wife, always the mum that went. But now we're seeing more increasingly more fathers are coming, because obviously they might be at home looking after the children while while the, the mum works. So, because they've got the driver looking after the children with them, it gives them that, that little bit of a break, and it also gives the other parent a bit of a break at home away from what is if you've got sick children twenty four hour a day constant care Um, all the funds are raised by the Boswell Company of Hackney Carriage Drivers it costs around £150,000 a year to put it on P&O sponsored a ferry for us give us the ferry crossing free of charge and it's just a fantastic weekend really is really is great
0: thank you for doing that
1: well no it's it's, uh, just giving something back I've got a personal interest in it but
0: that's another podcast (laughs) on a more cheery note uh, on, a more, on a more frequent note, uh, weddings, how often?
1: Uh, every weekend.
0: I mean, I say it's more cheery, but we've, we've both seen a state that a wedding party can get into. Uh, yeah, especially after the uh, after the reception. And, um, you're, and you're happy to uh, to funnel these people into your cab?
1: Yeah, not normally when they're drunk. But, um, yeah, during the daytime, we, we pick up the bride, take her to the ceremony, then on to the reception, bride and groom on to reception. I've got a lot of old taxis. We've got a lot. We use a lot of taxi drivers around London. They've got white cabs, or a lot of older taxi drivers that've got vintage taxis as well. And we, we offer basically a wedding car service using London taxis. Um, it's is, it is enjoyable because you're always picking up mainly happy people all the time. It's something different from driving a taxi. I mean, I love driving a taxi. I think it's the best job in the world. The thing that gets me down now is the traffic in London. It's congestion is the thing that gets me down I was never one really to rank I always cruise the streets to a certain extent which is probably the wrong thing to say but <laughs> but yeah I, I love driving a taxi and it's just an extension of taxi driving for me it's something within the same industry
0: because we've had the congestion charge and it sounds as though that's not doing all it needs to do in terms of clearing the place out what's the next big move do
1: I think the next big move is the, the ultra-low emission zone in 2020, when they start banning a lot of vehicles from coming in London, into central London anyway. Um, except for the grotty old diesel cabs. Yeah, except for the grotty old diesel cabs. Um, yeah, it's, it's going it's to stop a lot of people from coming into central London. I, I, I don't think a lot of Londoners actually realise uh, to what extent it's going to affect them and it's probably going to be a bigger outcry as it gets nearer the time because it's it's, it's fine, from my view it's fine bringing these rules and regulations in and it's okay for people that can afford to change their vehicles but for those that can't afford to change their vehicles that may be on hard times or whatever and, 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 you know a lot of people rely on their vehicle to get around if they're if they're slightly disabled or, you know, they've got mobility issues or whatever. It's really going to affect them sort of people and, and there needs to be more consideration given to people like that with, with exemptions and things like that and I don't think they've really thought about that at all.
0: But there must be cabbies who are rubbing their hands together because surely this is going to be a shot in the eye for the cab trade just when you need it.
1: It's funny, it's quite the opposite because of the cost um, involved with the, with the electric vehicles and we're being forced to buy a vehicle in 2018 that isn't even on the road yet we're we're only talking just under 18 months away and we haven't seen one on the road so it's an untested technology so we're going to be guinea pigs basically by paying a lot of money for something that's not being tested, I don't think that's the fault of the manufacturer, I think it's a combination of things and it's just something we're going to have to deal with you know, we, we've dealt with other other issues, and it's we've got to move forward. So it, it, it will happen. We will get past it, and we will carry on.
0: On which positive note we could end, but I have one more question, on. Columbo style, that I wanted to ask. With your uh, eye in the rear view mirror, I wanted to know what are the signs that you're most aware of? What was the insider tricks and tips to spotting a dodgy cab customer? I think you need to spot them before they get in the tra-
1: <laughs> not, not in the rear view mirror. If, you, if they're in the rear view too mirror, it's too late. I mean, is it, is it, there's a very good one. I'll just give you one example to finish on. If you're driving along the street, someone puts their arm out and you, you suspect that they are drunk, yeah? Never stop before you get to them because you find they'll walk towards you now if they walk into towards you and they're staggering all over the place and you decide to drive off and leave them there they've got the opportunity to punch the cab or kick the cab which has happened on numerous occasions so what you do is you drive past them and stop then if they start staggering towards you you drive off and they've got no recourse uh, no, no, no opportunity to kick or punch the taxi
0: Good, OK, that's good information. I suspect sharing more would uh, would be too much. Yeah, it's uh, letting trade secrets out. <laughs> Jamie Owens, thanks very much. No problem, it's been a pleasure. My heart aches, some no it, let you and that's all for this week. My thanks for this week to Jamie Owens, thanks to, to Jim Rainbird and James Drury. Theme and incidental music was by Songs from the Howling Sea. I'm N. Quentin Wolfe.